For those that are staying, I invite you to turn with me to uh, Psalm 89. Psalm 89. If you, there, there is an app. If you want to be a part of that, you can pull it up that way. Or, uh, and, and also to pull out your sermon notes out of the uh, bulletin if, if, if you would like to be a part of that. Um, I have, did not grow up a perfect child, regardless of what all my, ki- my, brothers and, my brother and sister would tell you. Um, I, thank you for getting that bad joke. Uh, but I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and I'm very thankful for that. I, I've always been a part of knowing what Christ has done for me from a very early age. My parents uh, were intentional in sharing that good news. But I will say, you know, and I, and I was called into ministry at a young age uh, in high school, and I knew that God was calling me to share that message. And all the different things of, of growing up in youth group and children's church and church and all these things uh, tell me and, and informing me about my relationship with Christ and what it could be and what, it was, what was there and these components of it. But I will admit that nothing prepared me to better understand that relationship than when I became a parent. The reason I say that is because when my kids were born, I took each one of them, I mean, I, I was one of the first to hold them, and, and I took them, and I did this even with my grandson, but I took them and I prayed over them in the first minutes of them being born. I prayed a covenant of relationship and a desire to put them in God's relationship with them. And I committed my love to them. And I do love my kids. And I'm proud of them. But I will admit, like most parents, that there are times where I did not like them. Can I get an amen? But that never changed my love for them. There were times where I didn't approve of their decisions. And I had to enact at different points discipline. But that did not change my love for them. There were times when we had failures in our relationship, failures of trust. But that did not change my love for them. And even when we've had things that just really struggled, my love for them never wavered. And I really hope that my kids not only understood it then, but understand it now as they continue in progress through life. And yet what, what's helped me in, in being a parent and having that relationship is it's, it's a similar way, I, I think, that many of us encounter. And we struggle with the fact that the love of God is big enough for us. We know at times that we, what we do displeases God. 
And so we struggle because we, we've wandered away from the relationship that maybe we had had as, at one point. And, and so we struggle if, to think that we can come back into that relationship because, you know, God surely has given up on me. And, and, I, and I've heard that from more than one person at different points. They come to church and they think, well, that can't happen. I, you know, and, but it's even to the point here on Christmas Eve, we look at this gospel story and we say, well, that's great, but God didn't come for me. He couldn't because I'm, I'm too far gone. I'm too broken. I, I'm too, too messed up. It's just too much. And the reason we get to this place is because of our inability to truly grasp the, the expansive love of God. And it's the root of a lot of destructive thinking. And it's bad theology in our individual lives as well as church. And yet here we are. The last Sunday of Advent... And we're going to continue in looking through these psalms that, that lead us toward an understanding of God's faithfulness. In this psalm of 89, it focuses in once again, as we did a couple weeks ago, on the hesed, the, the steadfast love, the, the faithfulness of a God who never gives up. This psalm purposely uh, brings up a history between God and his people because remembering the past is meant to help us remember forward. I, I said this a couple weeks ago, remembering isn't just about not forgetting. Remembering is, isn't just supposed to be a static event. It helps us look forward. It helps us to, to think forward and move forward because the idea is that as we look back on where God has been faithful in the past, it kindles the hope and understanding that God will be faithful again in the future. And that's why we tell these stories year after year of the gospel. And especially during this time of year with Advent, it's a season of remembering forward. That we look back at God's coming in 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 order to anticipate God's return. And we look at the faithfulness of God in the past, trusting that God will be faithful again. And so we look to the past with an eye on the promises of God for the future. And it's good for us to recognize that there is joy in remembering forward. Because of the great things that God has done for us before. And we recognize that God is doing great things in the midst of us now. And we know he's going to do great things in the future. This entire psalm is about recalling the greatness and faithfulness of God. Along with the trust that God is going to continue to be faithful. So in verses 1 through 18... We find this praise, this song of praise. It's this huge chorus. 
it, it, just a small section of it, they, they're declaring righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exult in your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Now, in this psalm, yes, it it expands about God's faithfulness and they're praising those who are following him and understanding the blessings that are a part of that relationship with God. And then it kind of turns in a reference to King David. They give an example of of God's relationship with David in, in the midst of this psalm of lament that points to the promise that God made to David. In verses 3 and 4, we see this, where, where it alludes to David's failures that will happen later on. And from 19 to 37, you, you, you see this, and as we look at the whole, this psalm is a constant reminder that even in the, midst, the mess of David's life, even in the mess of our life, that God is still faithful. God's promises aren't just words that just were left out there. God's promises are followed up by faithful action. And so as we read scripture, it doesn't take long, not just in the psalm, but throughout the whole uh, of scripture, that it doesn't take much to recognize that God does remember his people. And that God is still faithful because here we are. We're gathered together. To celebrate Christ. Not just Christ the child, but Christ that died on the cross for us. And was raised again on our behalf. That we gather together on Christmas Eve, this Advent. Because we know that the Messiah was born of the line of David. It's the ultimate illustration of the steadfast love of God for everyone. That Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to David. And and let's, let's recognize that King David's legacy is complex. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, God declares that he's kind of fed up. Well, not kind of, he is fully fed up with Saul. God had warned them, hey, I'm your king. They said, we want a king like everybody else. And so they, he gave them Saul. And Saul let it get to his head and did a lot of things that dishonored God. And so in 1 Samuel 15, God rejects King Saul's leadership. And in 16, he sends, sends the prophet Samuel off, and he says, I'll show you the next king, and I want you to anoint the next king. And so in verse 16, you, you remember the story. He comes up to, to 
Nazareth and, and Jesse, he calls Jesse forward and says, I want you to bring your sons. We're going to anoint one of them king. And, and the, he brings up the oldest and the, the good looking one and the one of power and stature. And he says, not that one. And, and, and Samuel's like, wait a minute, this is the guy. Look at him. He goes, I don't look just on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. And one after one after the other, they bring the sons, and not that one, not that one, not that one, and get to the end, and he goes, well, isn't there anyone else? And they said, well, there's the little runt of the litter. He's out in the field. We didn't think you'd want him. And then he goes, well, call him. And David comes. And Samuel says, yep, this one. This is the one that God has called. This is the one that God is anointing right now to be king. Even though Saul is still king. And it doesn't just happen right then that even though he was anointed then, it's some 30 years later that David becomes the rightful king of Israel. And there's a difficult relationship between him and Saul. And David eventually becomes king, and he's remembered as the greatest king. But he isn't without fault. One of his most memorable acts as king is abusing his power and sleeping with Bathsheba. And many would say raping Bathsheba. And then to cover it up, he murders her husband, Uriah, one of his more faithful soldiers and commanders. In 2 Samuel 12, prophet Nathan now comes and confronts David for this. And, and David responds by repenting of his sins. And, and without fail, God's faithful to forgive him. And we're reminded of all of this, this, this huge encapsulating story, even though this is generations later, that in Matthew chapter 1, we were provided the lineage of Jesus. And in the very first verse, it declares that Jesus is the son of David. And then it goes on to show how Jesus descended from King David through Solomon, who was the son of David and Bathsheba. And don't miss the fact that Bathsheba is named in this lineage as the wife of Uriah. It's one more reference to the messiness of this story and David's sin. So once again, we're reminded that the steadfast love of God shows up in the midst of the mess. In this week's psalm, as even as people are singing of the faithfulness and steadfastness of God's love in the past, and they're looking toward the promises and understanding of the future, uh, they, they're singing in the midst of despair because they know where they are now. That they aren't where God desires them to be in relationship. That they're, they've been dealing with a lot of stuff. In fact, in verse 46, they're saying, How long will God be hidden? How long will God be angry? And where is the former great love of God? And ultimately they declare, remember us. Don't forget us, God. Because they're struggling in the midst of it. 
And I believe this is a recognition that even though God is faithful, and it doesn't, our, our, our unfaithfulness doesn't stop him from being disappointed in our unfaithfulness. It's also a reminder that God is the ultimate judge. That if we haven't put our faith in Christ, there will be judgment. And while this response from God to their lament isn't in this text of Psalm, we see it as we remember forward. And we recognize that God does remember them. That God does remember his covenant. Even in the midst of this, psalm, of this declaration that he, he, God gave to David in, the, in saying that I will establish your, your lineage on this throne forever. He says your, your, your family is going to be screwed up. You're going to mess up. But I will not. I will not forget. This psalm is honest about sin and unfaithfulness of the people. And it indicates a desire for repentance. And yeah, their story is messy. It's full of brokenness and despair, much like our own. So we do well on our own even to remember forward, to know that God did hear them and responded by sending Jesus through the line of David and Bathsheba. This is the redemptive story of God. That once where, where once sin and brokenness sought to destroy, God continues to be faithful. And ultimately brought about salvation, even through this messy, broken lineage. And so we can trust as well that no matter how, what our past holds, no matter where we are in the midst of this, or even in our broken present, that God's steadfast love is still for us. He still cares and desires us. That's the message of hope. That's the message of redemption for us today. That if God can take this broken and messy life of David and ultimately bring about the redemption of the whole world, think about what God can do with us with our brokenness when we repent, when we lay our lives before the Messiah. And let me declare this today and every day. And I hope you truly understand this isn't just words that I say. This is what I truly believe. That God declares to each and every one of us, come as you are. That God doesn't say you have to have it all together first. That God takes us as we are, but through His grace, through His mercy, and our response to that, He doesn't leave us there. That He gives us a reason for hope. He gives us an understanding that His love is for us, and He knows where you're, we're at, and He desires to bring us peace and wholeness in your life and through you in your life to others because he is the prince of peace shalom wholeness that was born into this mess
It's not just some kind of fairy tale. I mean, you read the story, Mary was a real person. She was young and likely very scared. We sometimes forget the messy reality of these moments. Mary's choice, even in the midst of the possible death, call for her death in the midst of this, the accusations of pregnancy and, uh, and infidelity, and, and we, we forget about him, and, but Mary's choice, even in the midst of that, is to obey God and to bear the Christ, even of the consequences. So Christ was not born into a perfect situation. What we would look at. Instead, he was born into vulnerability. The incarnation story that we remember and that we celebrate every year is messy. We, we think, oh, he's the Christ, he's the king. He, he's not born into the royal throne. He's not born in some castle. He's born in the manger. He's born in a place that was dark and messy. He was born to give us what we didn't deserve. Nothing looks like what it would expect to we would expect it to, but that's kind of the beauty of it all. I, I, I watch I, I I've shared I like to watch movies. And, and different things. And, and some of the best stories, when you really look at them, are the ones that are the messiest. That they have the most intrigue. The story of the world's redemption comes through real people. Into messy stories and in vulnerable ways to vulnerable people. That Christ, the story and understanding of what Jesus has done for us. And when he comes to bring peace... He seeks to heal the brokenness, to forgive the sin, and to move people away from the chaos that brings sin and death to to instead understanding and bringing peace and life and the freedom to truly live. Understand, this story is for us. This is our story. It's not just some story from 2,000 years ago. We receive this story, and it's good for us to ask some questions and to understand and answer them honestly. You know, think about this. Where is the brokenness and sin that needs to be repented in your life so that you can find the true wholeness and healing of Christ? What legacies will those coming after us be part of because God's faithfulness to us and our faithfulness to respond to God. It's okay for us to openly ask, God, where are you in the midst of what's going on in my life? Where are you in the midst of the here and now? Because when we look Back, in order to look forward, we see that God is here. He is Emmanuel. He's here in the midst of our vulnerabilities. He's in the midst of our mess. He's here in, even in the midst of sin done to us and also the sin that we 
have done. He's not ignoring it. He died for it. So that we can repent of that. God hasn't abandoned us, but instead longs to draw near in our brokenness in order to help us understand that it it doesn't have to be this way. He came to show us life through his teaching and his example that there is a better way. And that brings healing. That brings wholeness. That brings restoration. That brings grace. The Prince of Peace longs to come even now to bring renewed hope into our lives even as we enter into 2024 so that we can sing with confidence where meek souls will receive him still the dear Christ enters in because God's love is steadfast even now in the mess. So I invite you as we move next week, we're going to begin telling, re-going through the story as told through Mark. Because we all have something still to learn. Christ still offers hope and he still calls us to follow him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you didn't ignore, you didn't run from the mess that is our lives. But you actively engage it. That you have conquered sin and death. All we have to do is respond in faith. You died on the cross for us. That you were born of a lineage that was promised many, many, many years ago. That had a lot of messy story in between. But that ultimately, you've conquered it all through Christ. Who died on our behalf, was raised again to give us life, hope, and in eternity with you when we put our faith in you. And so we give you thanks, Lord. Give you thanks for the time with family this week, for the laughter. God, we pray for those that are dealing with the loss of a loved one this year. We pray for peace in the midst of of that, as well as comfort. God, may we recognize that you truly are the reason for this season and that there is a hope for tomorrow because of it. In your name we pray, amen.